All right, thanks. So yeah, my name is Jacob. I work here at OVV. I'm the Community Life Coordinator. I do some of the communication stuff, social media, admin coordination type stuff. And uh, I have the pleasure of sharing with you guys this morning. Um, our key verse for the day is going to be Hebrews 10.14, if you want to put a thumb on that or open it up. Hebrews 10.14. And I'm going to be talking about uh, our identity as children of God, sons and daughters, and uh, who God says we is and also who God is. Because I think that there's sort of two forces that are always trying to convince you who you are. There's, there's two forces that will always try and tell you who you are. And there's two forces that, want, that are going to tell you who God is. One of them is true and one of them is going to try and tell you lies about who God is. So um, it's almost just going to be kind of bullet points, things that have stood out to me in my life that have just been kind of footholds where the enemy has just kind of been oppressing me with lies about who I am and who God is. And, and I want to kind of establish some truth about, uh, about who God is. So... Um, just for my sake, let's just, let's just pray really quick. Uh, Heavenly Father, we welcome you here. Uh, we thank you for this beautiful day. And God, we just pray that you'd speak. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move and that uh, you'd speak to each of us individually, God. That's incredible that you can do that. And I just pray that you'd come and help us open up. In Jesus' name, amen. So Hebrews ten fourteen, it says this, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So this single offering by which he's done these things is Jesus. That single offering was Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for us, and it's the only offering that we need now. In the Old Testament, they used to sacrifice all types of different animals to atone for the different things they did wrong. And we only have one now. It's Jesus. He died on the cross. And he wiped it all he wiped all of our sins, all of our muck, all of our mess-ups away. And by that offering, we are perfected for all time, and we are being sanctified. I just want to give a little bit of context if this is new to you. So Jesus was, Jesus was God, and he came to earth in the form of a man. He lived a, a perfect life, literally. And uh, by a choice of him, he, he chose to take our sin upon himself and die for it so that we would be restored to right standing with God. Our sin was what prevented us from right standing with God, and Jesus died so that we would have a way to commune with God, to, to live and to know and, and to hang out with God. Um, Jesus did that because he wouldn't let anything stand in the way of him communing with his children. He wouldn't let anything stand in the way of him communing with his children. He, that, he did it because he loved us, and he had a choice. He chose to do that. He chose to be beaten and crucified by his own kids, his own creation. He created these human beings that did that, and he chose to do that because he cared about us, because he wanted to restore us to a place where he could have relationship with us and bring us into eternity, bring us into a new life, to be born again. So that's the single offering. It says, for by a single offering he has perfected so let's stop there. The word perfected is, is in a past tense. It's something that Jesus has done for you. You've been made perfect if you've received his gift. His gift is free, and that gift that he offered on the cross is, is free. It's available to you. Even in this room, uh, you just have to receive it. It's, it's literally that simple. It's almost hard to believe. The God, we call it the good news. It's almost too good to be true sometimes, right? Because it's free, because you can just receive it. You can, receive, you can be made perfect in his eyes. It's not, you know, he's not going to buff you up a little bit by the power of his blood. He's not going to make you a little bit better. 
He's going to make you perfect. You've been perfected in his eyes by that offering. So I wanna, I'm highlighting this so specifically because one of the lies that I struggle with is stuff from my past that, that, that's been dealt with on the cross. Satan likes to bring that stuff up as if it still has weight. We've been perfected. That stuff is dealt with on the cross. Jesus atoned for it, and it's, and it's done away with. As far as the east is from the west, it's separated from us. So Satan has no authority or claim to bring that stuff up. God didn't just forgive us. Um, you know, sometimes you can think of it like if he just forgave us, you know, he took away all the muck, all the bad stuff we've done, and we're kind of just this empty shell of a human being, right? He didn't just forgive us. His will is life and life in abundance, for us. He, he gave us a new birth by the power of his spirit. He lives in us after that, okay? So it wasn't just a transactional atonement for everything we've done wrong. That's not the, that's not the complete story. He lives in us, and we're free. We're, we're, we're born again in this new life with him. So I, wanna, I just want to be specific about that, that Satan has no business bringing up that stuff that's already been dealt with on the cross. You've been made perfect, if you've repented and received Jesus' gift, you're, you're perfected, okay? And the next part of this verse, it says, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's an active verb tense. So that's something that's going on. It's still, it's still happening. It's an active verb tense. So who is it, who is it that's been perfected? It's, it's those who are being sanctified. They're one, they're one and the same. They're together. So being sanctified is Christ changing who you are, okay? So picture God looking down. Your life is a lawn. This is weird. A bunch of grass. Maybe grass is good stuff in this analogy, but there's a ton of weeds, all right? When Christ died for you, he took away every weed, every single one, okay? Not 99%. That's perfected. That's something that he did so that when he looks down, all he sees now is a perfect lawn. It's a nice lawn, all right? But the problem is that there's roots under there, and sometimes that stuff grows back. So you're saved, and you're perfected in his eyes. And being sanctified is the process where God changes the roots. He's changing our heart's desires from wanting to do that evil stuff. That's the process that we're living. We have been perfected, and we are being sanctified. It's both. That's who you are. And you're, there's freedom in being sanctified. God's not angry at you. When you mess up on this journey, being sanctified is a journey of, be, of being changed so that you don't want to commit these things anymore. And that's, that's tough. We stumble, right? That's another lie that Satan likes to throw at us is that if we stumble on the way that God's hand is withdrawn from us, that his love is withdrawn from us, that it's conditional. God loved us unconditionally. The glory goes to him because he chose to love us. It was not conditional. So we are in a process of being sanctified. And you're free to, God's voice is just so calm. He's like a father teaching this little child how to live. He's teaching you a new way to live by the power of his spirit. He's changing you, and he knows best, okay? He, he, he sees stuff that we don't see, you know? So if he's guiding you in something, and it doesn't seem like, I mean, who doesn't struggle with that, right? Who, who, do, who obeys God perfectly? None of us, right? But he knows best. He's taking you in a place that's good, and it's actually good. It's not just a... I don't want to live a stale life. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I don't want, if the gospel's actually good, if this is actually worth living your whole life for, I want to experience that. I want to understand what that means. And God's taking you there, and sometimes we don't see why he's guiding us in the way 
in the places that he's guiding us, but he's taking us somewhere that's good. We have to trust his foresight as God Almighty. He sees stuff better than we see it. So this is who you are. You, are. you have been perfected. Satan has no business bringing up stuff from your past. There's no more shame and guilt. I wanted to mention that, okay? If it was just forgiveness, it was, it's kind of this transactional thing, like your criminal record's been clear, but you're still guilty and shameful about it. You were freed from that. You don't have to feel guilty and shameful anymore because it's been completely atoned for by his blood. He chose to take that upon himself. No more shame and guilt. This isn't just a criminal record you know, wiping. You know what I'm saying? So I want to jump to John 10, verse 27 to 30. This is Jesus speaking. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Guys, I want to highlight a specific part. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. No one is physically, no one's able, okay? It's not like, you know, if you do well, you might not get snatched out of his hand. You probably won't get snatched out of his hand when you're your sheep. No one is physically able to do that. Satan wants you to believe that he can. Satan wants you to believe that he's going to make you trip up and that you'll fall out of his hand, but he's not able to do that. No one is able to snatch him out of the Father's hand. Another verse to hammer this home is Romans 8, uh, verses 38 to 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, nothing else in all creation, all of it, Spirit realm, that's creation. Nothing, nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what's available to you as a free gift on the cross. Love that, love that can't be taken away by anything in creation. Being in the hand of literally God Almighty and no one else can take you out of it. That's what's available. I wanted to highlight this because that's something that I've been struggling with is can I lose it? You know, conditional acceptance, conditional love from Christ. I'm a, I'm a Christian, but now maybe he's holding up this bar. I don't know if I can meet that bar. If you're saved, you're saved. That's part of why it's good news. God's never going to take away your free will. But if you're saved, you're saved. You, nothing in all creation can separate you from that love. No, no one is able to snatch you out of the Father's hand. That's why it's good. We can rest in that. That's why... Peace comes from the Holy Spirit. That's a gift. That's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we can have peace because everything that we couldn't measure up on, everything that we couldn't get to on a conditional acceptance has been paid for by his blood. That's why we have peace. That's why we're free. That's why we're free. So I want to, I should mention at the end of this, my intention, what I want to do is that if, if any of this is, I'm going to kind of go through some bullet points. That was two or three of them. I don't know. Um, of, of just stuff that I know that Satan wants me to believe that's not true, and it ends up being kind of a struggle in my mind. It, I call it mental war. And if this is you, if you know that th- this, this is something that you're just not solid on, and you know that Satan has some kind of foothold, and he really hammers you on it, I just want to pray for you. So just bear that in mind, that if any of this stuff resonates, or even if I don't uh, mention it specifically, just, just keep that in mind that we're just going to pray about this. 
Um, so nothing else in all creation can separate us from the love of God. Guys, I want you to understand um, that you're valued, uh, that you're wanted. Sometimes people on earth tell you that you're not valued, that you're worthless. Sometimes people tell you that you're not wanted here. Um, that's never God's voice. You're so valued that he came to earth and lived the life he did and, and died to save you. That was the reason he did it. He, he, he went to that length and died for you on that cross because that's how much he values you. That's a communication of the value that God holds you in. It's impossible to be alive in this room and be a human being and not be valued by God. It doesn't work. If you're a human, if you're alive. Is anybody alive out there? Thank you. You're valued. God puts incredible worth on, on just communing with you. You're his children and he's our father and he just wants to relate with you. It's priceless. That's how valued you are. When people tell you that you're not valued, that you're not worth anything, that's Satan. That's not God. That's not, that's not the truth. That's not what God thinks. If that's something you struggle with, we're going to pray about that. Let's, let's tell Satan to get out of here and let's, let's proclaim what God's truth is in our mind. You are loved. God did it because, like I said, he, didn't, he, would, he loves you so much that he would not let anything stand in the way of his ability to commune with his children, to have relationship with his children. That's why he died on the cross. You're loved. You're not always perfectly loved on this earth. Humans, aren't, humans are imperfect. You've, you've guaranteed to face experiences in your life where you weren't loved. But I'm telling you that love is available to you by not just humans, but God today. He loves you. That's unchanging. This is a big one. Uh, personal image. Um, God, God believes that you're beautiful. Guys, I know we don't resonate with that word. I don't, I don't often, you know, I don't often resonate with that. I don't think my mom calls me beautiful. I mean, that's not the right adjective. But you guys get what I'm saying. Thank you. Thank you for that. You're beautiful in God's eyes. You know, God doesn't look at you with human eyes. Humans are the ones that, that judge each other, that, met, that look at your shoes, everything that you're wearing, look at your hair, what, your biceps if you're a guy. Maybe you're skipping leg day. Guys are the ones that look at that. God doesn't have human eyes. Do you know what I'm saying? He, he's not looking at that. You're his creation. In Ephesians, he says you're his masterpiece. That's how much he cherishes you. That's how he sees you. So when someone tells you that you're ugly, or maybe you just feel that way, maybe you've actually believed that, maybe that's something that's deep down inside that you, you actually believe that you're ugly, that's not God. That's not what he says about you. That's not who he believes you are. Here's the thing. When you're born again, when you're a Christian, you're, you're, you're defined by what God says about you. It's not about what other people think. So even if every other human on the planet thinks you're ugly, you're not defined by that. You're defined by what your father says about you. It's you and him. So you are beautiful. I'm stating that as a fact. You know, like everyone grows up and your parents think, okay, Jacob, you know, you're handsome. You know, this isn't that. Like it's not, it's not like, oh, but your mom thinks you're nice. That's not what I'm saying. Don't worry, your mom thinks you're handsome. You're actually, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, 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 preaching this as a fact. 
Because this is what defines who you are, is what God thinks about you. It's, it's God's opinion, not anyone else's. And his opinion, unwaveringly, is that you're beautiful. He created you. You're his child. A good parent would never say anything different to their kids. It's impossible for a parent to think that. You're beautiful. If that's something that's a foothold in your mind, if that's something that Satan really hammers you on is about image, I just want to spend some time in a few minutes to let God speak to you about image. Let God tell you the reality of, of what he thinks about you and who you are. This has been a big one for me. Um, God is with you in the small things, uh, the smallest of things. You can wash dishes with Jesus. You can mow the lawn with Jesus. There's nothing too small. Sometimes we get this image of God, you know, that, that he kind of stands back, like where he kind of he he steps back, expects us to be able to handle some of these things. He expects you not to be able to get angry at something. Like, does anybody here get angry and they don't know why? It's like, oh, wow. Holy smokes, like, I'm just washing dishes. Why am, I, why am I so angry? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's normal, okay? Let's be real. Everyone has petty little struggles. Everyone has that throughout their week. Everyone has oppression in this stuff. And God is with you in all of that. And it's not like, an ob- it's not like he's like, oh, my gosh, I got to go help Jacob wash the dishes. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, he, when you're a parent... And your kids are small. It's your good pleasure to show them how life works. You teach them how to use a spoon. You teach them how to wipe their butts. Parents teach your kids every little thing. And it's not, and that's, a, that's intrinsic of what it means to be a parent, is that you love to show your kids the way of life, right down from the small stuff. We're God's kids. Sometimes we just need to be real and be humble enough to ask God for help in some of this stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? He's with us in every little small thing. You have, you have access to God Almighty every single day this week. There's, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that you're never going to get angry. Emotions are normal. Everyone, we're human. We can be real here. But what I'm saying is that you have God with you in that. And in that it's his will to be with you and to speak to you and to parent you in each of those things. There's nothing that's too small for him. It, 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 it's echoed in Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Anything and everything. There's not a lot of room there, okay? This isn't, there's no bar for what you can pray about. The last thing I'm going to mention before we just enter a time of prayer um, is that thankfulness is the opposite of bitterness. You know, at Thanksgiving, how we always try and, uh, like, you, you know, you, you go around the table, what are you thankful for? Like, you, you make a deliberate effort to voice what you're thankful for. Bitterness is always rooted in, in I don't know, like, selfishness or feeling like you were slighted, right? Like, you're bitter about something. You didn't get what you were deserved. You weren't seen for the value that you truly are. Thankfulness, um, it's been helpful to me to see it as a choice, um, if I waited for every time that I truly was just welled up with thankfulness, I might be thankful like, you know, five times in the next year. You know what I'm saying? Like where you're just overwhelmed. Holy, oh, thank you so much. Like that doesn't happen that often, but there's always good things. God is always with you. I'm going to mention that too. We're going off script. God will never leave you or forsake you. 
That's a part of the truth about the fact that you can pray to him about little things. He will never leave you or forsake you, ever. That's a promise to him. That's a promise to us in the Bible. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You can't go to Almond or Packingham. He's still there. He's still around. He will never leave you. Washing dishes, man. So you can thank him for that. You can thank him for that. Um, when you're born again, you've, the Bible says that you have a place in heaven with your name on it. Jesus says, don't fear man, because what can man take away from you but your body? They can only harm your body. There's something that's out of reach for them. We don't need to fear man anymore because we've been given something that can't be taken away by man. We can thank God for that. Anyways, that's just, that's just a little note that's been something that's been helpful for me is that when I'm bitter, thankfulness directly contradicts bitterness, and we can choose to be thankful. It's just a choice to, even if you're super angry, and you're just, you, you can choose to thank you. It's, it's, a, it's a choice to, to recognize the good of, of what God has given you, even when it's hard. That's big stuff. Um, so that was a few things. I'm never going to be able to encapsulate everything that God believes and says that you are in a sermon. I'm never going to be able to list every little lie that Satan throws at you about who God is. God's a father. But if you know that there's something that just isn't settled in your mind, you know that you're, you're worried about whether or not you're going to lose your salvation. You know that Satan's lying to you about that. You know that self-image, any of this stuff, whether I mentioned it or not, if you know that that's something in your mind, I'd just like to pray for you. And if it helps, would you stand and we can, and we can pray with you? We're family here. We're brothers and sisters. We can pray for one another. It's cool. No one's going to judge here. But if there's something that's you know is a war in your mind, could we just pray for you? Would you would you stand? Something that you know is unsettled. Let's gather around these folks that are standing and just lay hands on them. If you're sitting nearby. Even if you didn't stand, that's okay. God hears you. Sometimes that step just helps. Sometimes it's just a step of making a decision to change something. So I'm going to I'm going to open up in prayer and if you're praying around them I'd ask that you just pray silently and then we're going to I'm just going to have a moment of silence where God can speak to you about this thing that's in your mind, this war that's going on. I want God to speak to you about the truth of of whatever that war is in your mind. Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you've done for us. God, we've come forward because we re- we recognize that there's a war going on in our mind, in our minds. That there's something that's just not settled. That Satan's oppressing us, and there's a lie in there. So, God, we come forward today, and we just say, "Satan, get out of there!" In the name of Jesus Christ, be gone. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to your kids in this moment about whatever it is in their mind. Thank you, Lord. Amen.